In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The text for this morning's sermon is the Gospel appointed for Gaudete, the third Sunday in Advent. The Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 11th chapter, beginning at verse 2. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one? Or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. As they departed Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Here endeth the reading of the Holy Gospel. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Lord is proclaiming the Gospel as his relative, John the Baptist, is in prison. John sends two of his disciples to Jesus with a question Are you the coming one? Or do we look? For another. John knows, his disciples know, that they've been promised a Messiah. They're just not quite sure if Jesus is him. And why not? He fulfills all of the scriptures, but some other criteria have crept in there, assumptions that did not come from Scripture. They had done a little deductive reasoning and figured that if the Messianic King is going to reign on the throne of David, well, then the Romans have to go. And that's likely to get ugly. And they were kind of looking forward to that. But they don't see any dead Romans. They don't see any covert military actions, let alone stand-up battles. They don't even see an army. So they wonder about Jesus. It's hardly surprising that this text comes up at this time of the year. Gaudete, 
that song we sing instead of the Gloria, rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come. That's Gaudé, Gaudé, Emmanuel, Nascheter, Prote, Israel. Gaudete is, is the Sunday of rejoicing. That's what the word means. And when we get to answer to the answer of the question of the day, we'll see that we too have cause for rejoicing. But as we draw near to Christmas, the question may naturally come to our minds as well. Is this baby whose birth we are about to celebrate, is he the coming one? Is that where faith should be invested? Or do we look for someone else? The Gospels, especially Matthew, give us many Old Testament Scripture verses to confirm it. Quote, This was to fulfill what was written in the book of the prophet, whichever, end of quote. How many times do we read that? in the Gospel according to St. Matthew. But like John and his disciples, we too are capable of doing a little deductive reasoning. One real open-ended version of this question goes something like this. If God is all-powerful and God really does love me, and everybody else, why doesn't he fill in the blank with whatever? I remember growing up, people would always say, if we can put a man on the moon, why can't we this? Except this time, instead of blaming our own selves, the blame goes to God. Some people aren't too far off from the ancient Jews these days. If Jesus is the Messiah, why doesn't He give us regime change? In the movie Fiddler on the Roof, the question is, would it upset some grand divine plan if I were a wealthy man? Heal my sister. Give me a job. Find me somebody to love. End war, disease, poverty, hunger, animal cruelty. Stop bedbug infections, infestations, or give us a white Christmas, or whatever our pet wishes may be, anywhere from the very weighty all the way on down to the almost inexcusably trite Yes, yes, there's what the Bible says, but then there's what we think we need a Savior to do as well. Maybe we've even jumbled those things together in our heads such that we've forgotten the difference between what's biblical and what are just our own assumptions. 
those things sometimes burrow themselves so deeply into our brains that we just can't imagine a Savior who will not only fulfill Scripture, but meet our own expectations too. Jesus answers John's disciples and us by pointing them back to the Scriptures. Go tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the Gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Jesus sends us back to the Scriptures. And there is so much to be said about that. First, and God grant us all to get this through our sinful heads, you are not the best diagnostician of your own need. Isn't it funny how we know that when it comes to medicine, we go to a doctor rather than imagining that we can figure out what's wrong and fix it? We know that when it comes to the laws of the land, if we need to get legal stuff done, we don't do it ourselves. We hire a lawyer. As a side note, by the way, speaking of doctors, consider all of the new vocabulary you'll pick up talking to doctors. Myocardial infarction. Acetaminophen, pulmonary embolism, contusion, pantoprazole. I don't even know if I said that one right. Inguinal versus hiatal hernia. That one's come up recently. We all learn such words easily enough, especially when our own health is on the line. But use a new word that we're not familiar with in church and sometimes people will think that's unbearable. The devil will use the most trivial little irritations to drive a wedge between you and the Gospel. Dear ones in Christ, do not fall. For that. In any case, when it comes to what we need spiritually, far too many people, sometimes even Christians, figure that well, we can do that ourselves. The devil is behind that too. In fact, there's a pithy little saying that I hear every now and then that is at least as wrong as it is common. 
And if you want to get irritated by something, I invite you to get irritated by this. People will say, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. What does that mean? It means, I've got some medical, metaphysical opinions, and I may even have had some experiences that seemed mystical or spiritual in nature to me, but I don't submit to the doctrine and prescribed practice of any particular religion or religious organization. And when it comes to what I think is spiritual, I reserve the right to reshuffle that in whatever way I find convenient. When it comes to spiritual matters, I make it up as I go along. That's what they mean. For such people, it is not uncommon for them to think of church members as, well, weak at best, fools at worst, people who let someone else do the thinking for them. It is absolutely wrong, not least of all, because these people imagine that they have the capacity to be authentically spiritual somehow laying around inside of them. Folks, you usually need a doctor if you're sick. You usually need an attorney if you're being sued. But you always, always, always need the words of Holy Scripture to reveal the depth of your spiritual malady by way of the law and His inestimable mercies toward you in Christ by way of the Gospel. Is Jesus the coming one? Or shall we look for another? If I started with my own laundry list this morning, I'd need 50 different messiahs to take care of everything. And we'd add even more with your lists because we're all looking for something different. But God's holy law shows us what we need. We are by nature sinful and unclean and so very sinful that we don't even realize the depth of our sinfulness. Little wonder that the Gospel according to St. Matthew begins with the recognition that He shall be called Jesus because He shall save His people from... Any good Jew reading that expects the next two words to be the Romans from their sins. We look around. We compare ourselves to other people. Figure we're doing all right. I'm better than average. Reasonably good. Contrary to all of my Bible class illustrations, I don't even shoplift Milky Way bars from Walmart. 
But God's holy law demands perfection and warns that there is none righteous, no, not one. We discover that in Adam all sin and all die. We are born by nature sinful, unclean, hostile to God, and entirely self-centered. We are so utterly corrupt that we are rightly described by Holy Scripture as dead in our trespasses and sins. We don't just need to sober up a little, clean up our act. We need resurrection. We need new spiritual life. We need to be made new creations. And that is exactly why Jesus is the coming one. And that is exactly why we ought not to look for anyone else. He is born of a virgin. And the import of that is that he is not a natural product of the old fallen creation. He is the beginning of a new creation, sinless, holy, and perfect. His work as the author of the new creation shows up in his victory over the old creation's flaws like blindness and lameness and deafness and leprosy and death. All those things are in turn the consequences of sin, the root problem that is responsible for all else that is wrong in this old creation. Jesus, the eternal God, and also the author of the new creation, comes to defeat sin, to pay for it, to satisfy the demand of divine justice that all sin must be perfectly punished. He does all this by offering up His life as an atoning sacrifice on the cross. As both God and man, His sacrifice is at once holy, perfect, infinite, substitutionary. Perfect man dies for us imperfect men. And by the un limitedness that His divine nature brings to the person of Christ, Christ's sacrifice makes unlimited satisfaction for all the sins of all men of all time. You may not have imagined that this is the kind 
of Messiah you needed. But it is. That's why this is what the Old Testament Scriptures pointed forward to. That's why this is what the New Testament Scriptures declare has been given to you. And that's why the answer to the question of the day is yes. Jesus is the coming One. Don't be looking for another. And therein is the cause of the rejoicing that we do on this Gaudete Sunday. I realize this doesn't have long-standing history in the church, but we light the pink candle today. We have that pink banner up over there today. This is the Sunday we lighten up a little bit during the penitential season of Advent. We lighten up and we rejoice. Having established from Scripture what you could not have figured out on your own, namely, that you need a Savior just like Jesus, the great cause for rejoicing that we have is that this is exactly the Savior that God has given to us. We look forward to celebrating His first coming in His body and blood shortly. We look forward to celebrating His coming among us now in His body and blood even more shortly. And we look forward to His coming again bodily, gloriously, and all the saints and angels with Him not just shortly, but constantly, trusting His promise that He is coming again soon, however soon that soon may be. That doesn't resolve all of the concerns that we bring to the table. Consider poor John the Baptist. He was in prison and he was there. Well, (laughs) people say somebody has a truth problem. He had a truth problem. He He told the truth and that got him in prison. He never got out. It is more than just a little telling that as our Lord quotes Isaiah to His disciples to quote back to Him the blind see and the lame walk and all of this, Jesus does not quote the proclaim liberty to the captives part. John has the comfort he really needs Jesus really is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, including the sins of John the Baptist. But He has not come to free us in this life 
from all of the trials and tribulations that we will have to face in this life. In due course, the daughter of Herod's illegitimate wife would do a little dance for Herod and his gathered guests. One that so impressed Herod that he promised her whatever she wanted. And her mama said, go ask him for John the Baptist's head on a silver platter. She got it. And so ended the ministry of St. John the Baptist. His concerns of this world, well, they just went from bad to worse. But he went through them with the knowledge that the coming one had come, delivering all the saving that John needed, even if he didn't understand it all. So, too, with you. Your problems don't go away. God may graciously lift some of your burdens off of your shoulders in this life. As your pastor, I pray no small amount of prayers in your behalf that He will do exactly that. But as we all know, Sometimes the answer to those prayers is no. Sometimes those problems just go from bad to worse until you die. One way or the other, take heart. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of Jesus. Do not take offense and walk away just because Jesus didn't deliver everything you wanted on your little list of hopes and dreams for a deliverer. He very much did deliver everything you really need. And that's all that matters. The coming one has come. He has been born. He has lived a holy life. He has died a sacrificial death and He has risen again triumphant over sin, death, and the devil. And so in this Sunday of rejoicing, dear ones in Christ Jesus, rejoice. All your sins are forgiven you and everlasting life is yours. On account of Him, who is and who was and who is to come, your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.